Amen. All right. Good to be here this evening. Good to see each one of you. Trust you've had a good week this week. And uh, tell you what, let's do. Hayden, if you will, mute me just a second. All
And uh, thank you, thank you so much once again for all that you've done. I'll say this real quick. I don't know what's happened. Made me a little bit nervous, but I appreciate it. Uh, I've got more text messages and phone calls this week from the church, uh, not just about sickness and things like that, but I've had several just text me and say, Preacher, we love you, praying for you. I don't know what happened. Made me wonder if Kendra knows something I don't and just told y'all and I just keep it a secret from me. But I won't tell you. I appreciate you, all the text messages, all the phone calls, everything that was said, and uh, I, I appreciate everything that's been done. You'll never know this side of eternity how much you mean to me and how much you mean to my family, and uh, we sure do love each and every one of you. You be much in prayer. We've got a special prayer request to ask you to help us pray about. Uh, Kendra wasn't supposed to be here tonight. She was supposed to be working. The Lord just worked it out to where she could be here, um, and I know Lord willing, that's going to get back to normal here in the next little bit. Uh, but she's had several weeks now where she's had to work on Wednesday nights. And it's taken a toll on her. And uh, we're not necessarily talking about her getting another job necessarily. You just help us pray the Lord work that out if he could. And uh, I know she wants to be here. And I'll be honest with you, I want her to be here. So uh, you help us pray about that if you would. And uh, we sure would appreciate that. But maybe tonight before we go to the Lord in word of prayer, somebody have a special request on your heart. Amen. Somebody else? Remember, Andy, she had a tooth pulled out today. She still got all that packing and bleeding and numb and groggy. So, just to stay home with her. She's doing good. Y'all know how. I don't know the word. Greasy. She just don't handle stuff like everybody. Hey, Mike, let's remember this. Somebody else? All hearts free. All right. I'm going to ask Brother Corey Puck if he would. Thanks, Lord, and word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Somebody got some on your heart, something you need to do tonight. You mind the Lord. Take your Bibles tonight, Exodus chapter number 27, 
Exodus chapter number 27. Uh, just read a couple of verses tonight. Let me read about three, and uh, we'll turn one time real quick and read a couple of verses in some different chapters, and uh, then we'll try to get right into the message tonight. Let me say this just real quick. I was telling my wife, uh, I don't mean this uh, conceited and certainly don't mean it uh, critically, uh, but it seems like over the last two or three months, seems like that uh, the Lord's expanded my coast maybe a little bit uh but it just seems like suddenly kirk there's so many young preachers calling me and uh, wanting to talk about this or talk about that and uh i was talking to one today just had started pastoring his first church and uh he was telling me he said preacher he said it just seems like i can't get them excited it just seems like i cannot uh he said they'd be excited about a meal they're excited about this they're excited about that he said i just cannot get them excited uh about just the Word of God. I just can't get them excited about preaching. And uh, here's what I told him. I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, you'll never see the people excited about the Scriptures if the man of God's not excited about the Scriptures. Isn't that right? If I come in act like I'm down and out about it, you're going to be down and out about it. I mean, I, ain't that right? And uh, But with all that being said, I'm going to say this. I almost come in like that this week. Uh, I, I was going through the tabernacle, and I'd been debating and wrestling about whether or not to hit the tabernacle tonight or preach a revival message and get us ready for revival, and I was praying about that, and it seemed like the Lord just said, no, I want you to cover the tabernacle, and uh, so I, I, I'd sit down, I'd, when I started to study, I, I'd sit down, and maybe not have it all planned out, but I'll have several weeks of it planned out, John, and I sit down, and I look, and for this week, uh, I had it planned out to hit the pins and the ropes, and I thought, dear God, what am I going to do with that? That's not, uh, that won't be much, and uh, I mean, I knew, I, I'd studied a little bit in the past, and I knew some of the symbolism, I thought, Lord, that won't take 15 minutes, and uh, then I'm going to have to start, we'll get into the, into the furniture next, and uh, all that'll be is just a bunch of introduction tonight, I won't have time to get into it, and uh, that's just, that's not what we need, it just seemed like the Lord said, go ahead and study it, I'll be honest with you, I'm not too ashamed to admit it, my youngins think I'm absolutely bonkers, because I sit in there this two times this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I sit in there one time outside, and one time at the dining room table, and I just be honest, I had myself a shouting fit, I'm just being honest, I mean, I just got plumb, tore out of frame, I love that about the Word of God, by the way, that uh, even something sometimes seems so small, so insignificant, God can show you a great Great truth in it. So I don't. When I tell you here in a minute, we're going to talk about the ropes and the and the and the pins. Don't fall out with me. You bear with me, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you tonight. I know it has been me, and so you pray with us and for us. All right. Exodus twenty-seven, verse number eighteen. I'm not asking you to stand tonight. You can keep your seat. Bible said the length of the court shall be a hundred cubits and the breadth fifty everywhere. The height five cubits of fine twine linen and their sockets of brass. Now notice verse 19. All the vessels of the tabernacle and all the service thereof. Now watch what your Bible said. And all the pins thereof and all the pins of the court uh, shall be of brass. Now you can come up after the service and look at it and get a better idea. Uh, I will tell you this. We didn't, when me and Kendra put this thing together, I didn't put the ropes all across the top of the tabernacle because I wanted to be able to take the covering off uh, and let you see the inside. But these pins, what the Bible refers to as pins, all around on both sides of the fence, 
and on the on each side uh, uh, of the tabernacle, and it would have been in the Bible across the back. And uh, those pins, these hooks or nails or pins, if you would, it's almost uh, better how to describe it would be like this tent stakes uh, that was drawn down, and then the, the, the ropes or the cords, as the Bible called them, uh, uh, would have been tied to that. So uh, the Bible told us here in verse 19 that all the pins. Uh, were made of brass. Now that'll be important. Take your Bibles. Go with me to chapter 35 of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 35 and verse number 18. <coughs> Excuse me. Exodus 35. Well, let's start reading in verse 17. The Bible said, The hangings of the court, his pillars and their sockets, and the hanging for the door of the court. Verse 18, The pins of the tabernacle, there they are again, and the pins of the court. Now, all that's saying is that each one, there was pins for the tabernacle itself. Then there were pins going around the outer court. Uh, uh, that, and then the Bible said, The pins of the tabernacle, uh, verse 18, and the pins of the court, and uh, their cords. Now, all the Bible's saying is, uh, it's telling us from these pins around the outer court, these pins around the tabernacle. Uh, chapter 27 said they were all made of brass. Uh, and now chapter 35 tells us that each of those pins uh, had a cord uh, or rope that was tied to it uh, to give it stability. Isn't that right? So uh, let's look into it real quick. Let me give you a real quick uh uh, a recap, I guess you could say, of what we've looked at so far, and then we'll get into these pins and ropes, okay? Uh, now, we've looked in detail at the outer court. We spent a whole night looking at the fence and, and the gate of the outer court. We've seen the silver foundation. We took a whole night and looked at that. Uh, how did it came from the atonement money? as a picture of the blood of Christ. I uh, had atoned for our sins. We talked about the uh, magnitude of it. How did it was a hundred blocks, weighed a hundred pounds each. Uh, approximately five tons of silver. Uh, uh, so we've looked at the silver foundation. We've looked uh, uh, the last couple of weeks at the four coverings. We looked the first week at uh, the fine linen and the goat's hair. Then last Wednesday, uh, uh, we looked at the ram skin dyed red and the badger skin. I mean, we've looked at a lot of things. Uh, uh, and now we're going to look tonight. Uh, uh, well, let's give me. Let's look at a few more things real quick. Now you remember we hadn't looked in detail, but uh, we've talked a little bit about how the boards of the tabernacle uh, uh, were, uh, were plated in gold. Uh, uh, they had tenons on the bottom of them that were placed into a mortise and the silver foundation. Uh, uh, we've talked about how that once this had been done, there were five golden rods uh, uh, that held the walls together and gave support to the structure. Uh, and once they did that, that's when they put their covering over the roof. Uh, uh, they began to cover that. And now we realize that all that's great. All that we looked at the other week about the fine linen and the goat's hair and the ram skin dyed red and the, and the badger skin uh, all that's wonderful and all that's great. We talked about how that it was waterproof and weatherproof and all that's great. Uh, uh, but we realize it had to be attached somehow. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? You, can't, you try it sometime. Next time you go put a roof on your house, go up there and just lay the shingles out. Don't put no nails. Don't put no glue. Uh, just lay them out. Tell me how long it lasts. It had to be attached somehow. Well, the tabernacle was constructed with no nails, as we think of. No screws, no glue. Uh, no, it was portable. It never had to be yeah. able to be moved. Uh, it was a portable structure. Uh, so God instructed them uh, 
and to, 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 to attach that uh, uh, with these pins and cords. Uh, that's what held the roof uh, onto the tabernacle. That badger skin would have been had cords run across it and attached to those pins. Uh, that would have, uh, would have stabilized and put the final security and final structure uh, uh, into the tabernacle itself. Uh, it's these pins and ropes uh, that seem insignificant sometimes uh, would be easy to be overlooked, uh, uh, but it's it that held everything together. And I want you to notice something real quick. We may take another week and come back and look at this and tie it all together, but I don't know for sure, so I won't mention it real quick so you can think about it. That silver foundation, the walls of the tabernacle, the tenants on the bottom of those boards, slid into the mortise of the foundation. Now, that gave structure to the bottom, isn't that right? In the middle, there were those five, God had made those five bars of wood that were covered in gold. That was always a picture of grace, isn't that right? And that held it together. And then at the top, the final stability was made by these pins and cords. So it's got structure and it's got stability at the bottom, in the middle of the wall, and at the top. Isn't that right? Oh, God, help me. God, help me. The bottom of that foundation of silver. That's the blood of Christ. Isn't that right? And five wood bars, and five bars made of wood covered with gold. That's a picture of the grace of God. And at the top is the final amount. The final stability is made by these pins and cords. God help me, I just want to tell you what it is and go on, but I can't do that. So just keep in mind, all right, though he's anchored by blood. It's held together by grace. And then the final stability is made by these pins and ropes or these pins and cords. Now, let's get into it real quick. Let me give you one more thing by way of introduction and we'll hurry, okay? Notice for me, first of all, the safety of the tabernacle. Now, we've made mention of this a few times, but I want to remind you one more time. Uh, before we dig too deep tonight, it's important to remember. Uh, I don't want to make mention already, but it's important to remember it was not a permanent structure. Uh, it was portable. It had to be able to be put up and taken down. Now, uh, as the children of Israel moved from place to place in the wilderness, uh, the tabernacle had to be deconstructed uh, and then rebuilt at the next location. Uh, it was a portable structure uh, that could be taken apart. Uh, uh, now, listen to this. Uh, do you realize that uh, it was constructed entirely, I told you a moment ago, without any nails, uh, screws, hinges or glue. Uh, I mean there was no modern day, there was no permanency uh, uh, to this structure. Uh, uh, there was not one nail held it together, not one screw, not one bit of glue. Uh, uh, I, I know what John Jones is thinking, they didn't have any gorilla glue. Uh, uh, that wasn't what did it. Uh, uh, listen to me, I mean it was a portable structure uh, uh, that had to be taken down. Yet with all that being said, do you realize that it was so strong uh, and so sturdy and so secure uh, and so stable uh, that in all of the Bible you'll not find one mention uh, in 40 years of been in the wilderness uh, that it ever wobbled on the foundation 
it. Uh, you'll not find one mention of it being moved a quarter of an inch. Uh, it was stable and secure. Uh, in fact, it was the safest place uh, in all the camp of Israel. Uh, it was the, of all the camp, uh, the tabernacle was the most secure, uh, the most sturdy, the most stable. Uh, it was safe. Uh, notice what David said in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. Uh, uh, David said, He that dwelleth in the secret place. Uh, uh, now, if you take that word secret place uh, and look it up in the Hebrew, uh, it carries the idea of a holy place. Uh, that's the first place you enter into in the tabernacle. Uh, it's a holy place, isn't that right? The holy of holy, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. Uh, and David said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Can I say this tonight? There's not a doubt in my mind that David, when he pinned down Psalm 91, had in mind the priest of making sacrifice in the tabernacle. The Bible said, He that dwelleth in the secret place, it carries the idea of a holy please. Watch what he said. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What was that priest under? The Bible said, listen to me, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, that the law having a shadow of good things to come. Isn't that right? It's talking about types. It's talking about pictures, foreshadowings of the grace of God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we've looked at here in the tabernacle. That priest on the inside was covered, was shadowed by the covers of the tabernacle. That first one, finally, we told you last week, or two weeks ago, it pictures of the resurrected glory of Christ. It shows him as he is now. The purple and the scarlet and the white and the blue and the cherubims and broader into his work. It pictures him as he is now. And what David said, watch what he said, listen to me now. David said, He that dwelleth in the secret place, the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You realize that priest was abiding uh, under the shadow, the foreshadowing uh, of the person of Christ. Uh, man, friend, that's right. On top of that was the goat's hair. Uh, we talked about how that showed him as our sin bearer. Uh, that he'd bear our sins on his own body. Uh, uh, that's a foreshadowing of Christ. Uh, uh, that ram skin dyed red. Uh, uh, that's a picture of the shed blood. Uh, uh, guess what they are standing on? Uh, uh, that foundation of silver. Uh, that was a picture of the blood. On top of it was a picture of the blood. They surrounded by the blood. Y'all ain't getting that, but I don't have time to hit it. Listen, he was under the shadow, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And then we talked last week that badger skin is a picture of the humanity of Christ. And all of that, no wonder that listen, the tabernacle was safe and secure from all all the storms and weather that may come. I, 
I said it like this. It had a sturdy foundation, a secure construction, had a supreme covering. Amen. And that right, everything we've looked at, its foundation was sure. Amen. That's right. I don't know anything else better to build upon than the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on top of that was the building. But it was held together by grace. The Bible said where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. Aren't you glad for grace tonight? Is it not the grace of God that holds us together? And then the covering was the very person of Christ. Aren't you glad tonight we're covered by Him? Been placed in Him. Every last one of us would be fallen to the wrath of God. But thank God when God looks at me, He sees His Son because I'm covered and in Christ. Isn't that right? No wonder that it was the safest place of all the camp of Israel. We've said over and over again the tabernacle is a picture and type of Christ. Uh, the priest on the inside becomes a picture of the believer who's been placed in Christ. Uh, aren't you glad tonight we're safe and secure uh, in Christ? Uh, if you don't get anything else about the tabernacle, that's what you need to get. Uh, we're in Christ. Uh, the Bible said by revelation that he hath made us kings uh, and priests. We're able to enter in uh, uh, to the tabernacle uh, uh, not the earthly tabernacle, uh, uh, but the more excellent tabernacles, the book of Hebrews said, uh, which is Christ. Uh, I've been placed in Christ. Uh, I'm standing on the blood, uh, uh, protected by grace, uh, and covered by his person. Isn't that right? The problem is, the problem is, without some kind of structure, some kind of stability, without some kind of attachment, that covering, you and I are so thrilled about being placed in Christ that covering will be blown off. I promise you. I told Brother Kenny, I believe it was the other night, seemed like I've hit eternal security every service for the last six months. And I'm not trying to. I promise you I'm not. It's just there. That's the problem. Without something to hold it there, it'd be blown off. But the Lord said you got to have some pins. you got to have some cords. God help me. I just won't tell you what it is. I just won't tell you. I just won't tell you what it is, but you know, that's not how preaching works. So you're just going to bear with me, all right? Uh, but that's the reason there were pins and cords. Uh, that's what held everything together. Is that right? If it come a hard enough wind, that tenon could blow out of that mortise. If it come a hard enough wind, that, tent, that, that board could have broke. If it come a hard enough wind, it could have it broke that tabernacle. Something could have malfunctioned. A bad enough storm, a bad enough wind, and something could have went wrong. But see, that covering, it was weatherproof. It was waterproof. My friend, that badger skin took the storm. That badger skin took the weather. That badger skin took the elements. That's the humanity of Christ. We talked last week uh, about how that He bore our sins in His body. Uh, how that He took our punishment in His flesh. Uh, that's the badger skin. But what is it holds all that together? The question tonight, if you want to be technical, I know we're literally talking about the tabernacle, but if you want to go ahead and skip the application, the question is, what keeps us in Christ? That's the question. What keeps us in Christ, safe and secure from the wrath of God. Send pins and ropes. That's what holds everything together. 
So we've seen the safety of the tabernacle. Notice with me the significance. The strength of the tabernacle was added to by the pins and cords. Several pins were driven deep into the ground uh, on both sides and the back of the tabernacle. Ropes or cords, as the Bible calls them, uh, were then attached to those pins. Uh, ran across the, they were ran across, attached to the pins, ran across the top of the tabernacle, and attached to pins on the other side. Uh, it's what held everything together. Uh, it's what made the entire structure rigid uh, and secure. I told you a moment ago. In fact, in the forty years they were in the wilderness, there's no record uh, that the tabernacle ever moved even a fraction of an inch. Uh, we know in forty years storms must have raged against it. Uh, we know the winds must have blew and the rains must have poured. Uh, we know the elements must have taken effect. Uh, uh, but in 40 years, uh, it never moved a fraction of an inch. Uh, uh, the priest, therefore, was safe and secure uh, uh, because he was in the tabernacle. Now, we as believers, the New Testament priests, so he's made us, made us kings and priests are safe. Uh, God help me get this. We are as safe tonight. If you're saved by the grace of God, and He's made you kings and priests, you're as safe and secure as Christ is. Now let that sink in. That priest was put inside the tabernacle. Didn't matter what the wind would have done to the priest. Is that right? You go home tonight, and it comes an awful storm you've ever seen. It doesn't matter what that storm would do to you. It matters what that storm's going to do to your house. You're as safe as your house is. You're as secure as your house is. That priest on the inside was as safe and as secure as the tabernacle was. Y'all ain't getting that. Do you realize tonight I'm as safe and secure as Christ is? Because I've been placed in him. That right? That's right. Doesn't matter what the storm would do to me. Doesn't matter tonight what the judgment of God would do to me. What matters is that I've been placed in Him. And I'm as safe tonight and as secure as He is. Isn't that right? Watch this. I hope you get that. Watch this now. We were baptized by the Holy Ghost into Christ Himself. Now I said all that to say this. These tent pins are also called nails in Scripture. Now I told you a minute ago, was not had no nails as we think of. When it talks about them as nails, it's talking about them as stakes. It's talking about as tent stakes that are driven in the ground, uh, how to be tied off. It's not talking about nails that held the boards together, but it's talking about stakes. It's talking about things that have been driven into the ground. Once again, remember every aspect of the tabernacle, no matter how big or how small, always pictures who? Christ. They're a picture of him. Watch what Isaiah said. Isaiah 22, verse 23 and 24, the Lord said this, I will fasten him, talking about Christ, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. What about that? He shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. They shall, and they shall hand upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the issue, all vessels of cups, uh, even to all the vessels of flagons. Uh, the pins or the nails point to Christ uh, as he secures the believer in himself. You gotta get that. I just made, I'm not trying to be conceited, but I've made a more profound statement than what you realized. Watch this. The foundation pictures his blood, right? Everything about it pictures him. The foundation, everything's built on, that's his blood. What holds them walls together, that's his grace. 
Right? That covering pictures him. It pictures his resurrected glory. His, 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 the fact he was our sin bearer. The fact that he shed our blood was our sacrifice. It shows his humanity. All those coverings picture him. But you know what holds it all together? He does. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's not my job to hold myself in. It's not my job. It was not the priest's job to go over there and hold on to the gold-plated boards and try to hold everything. That was not his job. Uh, sacrifice had to be made. Uh, worship had to be done. Uh, it wasn't his job to hold everything together. Uh, it was his job to be in the tabernacle uh, in the presence of God uh, worshiping and making sacrifice. Isn't that right? Uh, it, it made those pins and cords uh, are what held everything together. It's not our job tonight hold everything together it's not our job tonight to keep ourselves safe it's our job to be in Christ it's our job to worship him it's our job to serve him it's our job to be in Christ and he's what holds everything together. the Bible said I'll make him I'll make him as a nail in a sure place you know what that meant it ain't coming out that right y'all ain't getting after it'll be alright I gotta hurry got too much preaching I gotta do Let's notice a few things about these pens. Notice, first of all, the composition of the pen. Now, the Bible said we read a moment ago, they're made of brass. They're pens of brass. Therefore, they were not, they were resistant to rust and corrosion. They were, they, they were able, they were exposed to the elements. They were driven into the ground. And the brass spoke of the fact that it was resistant to corrosion. It was resistant to rust. It was able to withstand the elements. Uh, uh, notice this. Remember, brass is always associated in some way with judgment. These pens therefore speak of the incorruptible uh, life and death of Christ bearing in himself uh, the judgment of God for our sins. Listen, it's not our job to hold everything together. God pours out his wrath on sin. Isn't that right? Listen, we're safe in Christ. He's what holds everything together. He's the one that bore our judgment. Isn't that right? He was able to withstand it. He was able. Listen, he took our sin in his own body. I told you the other morning, uh, six hours on Calvary, three of them in daylight. He took the wrath of man, uh, three in darkness. He took the wrath of God, uh, and he was victorious over all. Uh, he took the judgment of God uh, for our sins. That's what brass speaks of. Isn't that right? Made of brass, their composition. Not only that, notice their covering. Or the burial of the pen. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Now, the, listen, they were driven into the ground. Isn't that right? You go camping tonight, you set up your tent, you're not going to just lay that tent on the ground. You're going to take that little loop on the end, you're going to take that stake, and you're going to drive it deep in the ground. That's what holds it there. It, they were driven into the ground. Now, this speaks of the death and burial of Christ. They laid him. In the grave. They laid him in a barred tomb. I was listening today. Somebody shared it on Facebook. I've heard it before, but, uh, old S.M. Lockridge, old, uh, black preacher. He, some of you ought to hear him preach. He, uh, one of the most eloquent speakers you've ever heard, but I, I mean, got the power of God on him too. And he said it used to bother him, John. I, he said the, I can't say it like he did. I wish I could. I, I don't have the eloquence of speech that he had. I, he said, but the very one, I, that measures the water in the palm of his hand. I, 
that of the very one that has that cast out the heavens with a span of the very one that knows the sand of the sea he's just rattling off over and over again and when he died they laid him in a barred tomb and he said that used to bother me he said till I got saved and then I realized the reason he barred it was he wouldn't need it long isn't that right but he was buried in a barred tomb and they buried those pins in the ground you say preacher what's the so special about that you better realize tonight the fact he died and was buried is significant to our salvation it's essential had he not been willing to die for our sins we'd be without hope and far from safe and secure somebody had to die in order for our sins to be atoned for I told you when we looked at, this, at the goat's hair that God has always required somebody to die in order to pay for sin something or somebody had to die and the fact that he died tells us the burial of the pen shows us his death and resurrection but that's not all that pen did. That right is made of brass. That talk about how he took our judgment at Calvary. That shows his death. That burial, that driving into the pen, that showed his burial. That right? But that's not all that pen did. They drive it in, but them ropes had to have something to be tied to. Ropes had to have something that I don't know about you, but there ain't no way to tie a rope to something down the ground. God hit me. They had that they had to be had to be made of brass and had that's what the Lord required. Uh, had spoke of his death, had spoken of him taking out the judgment of our sin. Uh, it had to be driven in the ground. Uh, had spoke of his burial. But thank God there was something sticking up uh, that they could tie that rope to. And that speaks of his resurrection. Uh, man friend, uh, I'm glad thank God his burial is not the end of the story. Uh, uh, had he not died, we'd be without hope. Uh, uh, but had he not resurrected our faith, that uh, uh, would be in vain. Uh, uh, the death of Christ in itself is insufficient uh, uh, to save one single solitary sinner. Let that sink in a minute. Had he just died, there ain't a one of us would have got in. There, right? If he just died, there wouldn't be a one of us to get in. He had to resurrect. He had to be alive. He had to be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. It had to be. If he is not resurrected this evening, our faith is in vain. That's what Paul told him in 1 Corinthians 15. That right? He, it would not be sufficient. The gospel is all is and always will be the death, burial, and resurrection. It takes all three. He had to be willing to die. He had to take the wrath of God. He had to be buried. He had to die and be buried. Thank God he had to resurrect. Isn't that right? That, that's the gospel. The pins are buried, but also rise above the ground in order to make us secure. So, preacher, what's them pins? They're the gospel. All right? They're, they're the gospel. So, death, burial, and resurrection. That's what them pins are. Do you realize? Paul said it like this. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's right. That's what holds everything. That's what everything's tied to is the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection. 
My, so y'all ain't getting that, but I got to hurry. I got to get done with it. I, I got to hurry. That, that's what they are. They're the gospel tonight. Now notice the seriousness. Now, I, I want to say a word of warning real quick. I want you to get this, okay? If Jesus had died for our sins, I'm talking about he'd lived a sinless life. He'd paid our sin debt. He, 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 he died in our stead. He had died and was laid in the tomb. And that was the end of the story. If that had been the case, let me tell you what that would have meant. It would have been in vain. Here's what the Bible said. Now don't cut me off because it's a familiar verse. Romans 3.23, the Bible said this. For the wages of sin is death. Is that right? Romans 6.23, I'm sorry. For the wages of sin is... I know it's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the verse. But that's what it said. The wages of sin is death. Now, when he took our sin at Calvary, the Bible said he that knew no sin became sin for us. He took our sin upon himself at Calvary. That's what he meant when he said, Father, for be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about dying. He was sinless. He didn't want to bear our sin. Is that right? Now bear with me. It, it wasn't the fact he he come willing to die. Is that right? It, now don't, don't lose me. The bitter cup in the Garden of Gethsemane was not Calvary. It was when my sin and your sin come upon him. God cannot look at sin. Twice in your Bible, Kirk, when he's baptized, I said there came a voice from heaven saying, Behold my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Mount Transfiguration, Matthew 17, voice from heaven. The Bible said, came and said, Behold my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He'd always been in perfect communion with God the Father. Bible said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's talking about Him. There'd never been a time they were not in perfect communion. There was only one thing that could separate that communion uh, and it was sin. Uh, not His sin, but our sin. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is that right? No wonder it's a bitter cup. Let our sin separate Him from the fellowship and communion with His Father. Uh, but when He took our sin, uh, He paid our penalty not only for us, but as us. Yeah, yeah, right. right? He became sin for us. Now listen to this. Had He failed to pay for one single sin, had there been one thing misplaced, one thing the blood wasn't sufficient for. You're, somebody asked me recently here out of the church, and they weren't being critical. They weren't trying to, they was asking seriously. They, they'd heard somebody say that uh, somebody that was homosexual could not be saved. They asked me what I thought about that, what the Bible said. I'll tell you this. Had there been one sin in the entire world that his blood did not atone for, he'd have never resurrected. Because he took our sin on himself. Is that right? And the wages of sin is death. Now, you turn with me if you need to. That, it didn't say the wages of sins. It said the wages of sin is death. Had there been one sin his blood could not atone for, when he became the sin of the world, if there had been one sin his blood could not atone for, he could have never resurrected. Is that right? I don't know if y'all getting there. You know what that means? That means there ain't one sinner gone too far. His blood can't save him. Is that right? He took the sins of the whole world. The fact he got up says it was enough. Is 
Is that right? God, hit me. Had, had, had there been one sin, just one, one sin is enough to deserve eternal death and damnation. Now he said, preacher, I don't know about that. Well, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove to you one sin is enough to, to not only, well, just this one about to say. Remember Adam and Eve? How many sins did they commit? What, what was the fall of the man? They eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after God had told them not to. That right? Let me ask you a question. Uh, M.R. Dehan said in his book, and it, it, he's right. He said, How many judges do you know that if, John, if you had an apple tree out there in your backyard, and I didn't ask you, and I went over and plucked one of them apples off and ate it, you took me to court. How many judges do you know that sentenced me to death? I ain't a one, but God did. Right? Now, I, I know that's not exactly what happened, but I'm just saying that's all it was. I'm not making light of it, but they, all they did, Kirk, was disobey the Word of God one time. And not just Adam and Eve, but the entire human race was plunged into death and damnation. Is that right? God, the Bible said, for the wages of sin is death. You realize when he died, had he not died for every sin, he couldn't have got up. He could have never resurrected had he not paid and atoned for every single sin. Watch this. Notice the sufficiency. Now with that in mind, let's look at what the resurrection really means. The Bible said he knew no sin became sin for us. He took on the sin of the whole world had he not paid for it all. If just one sin had not been paid for by his death, he could not have resurrected for the wages of sin is death. Right? We've covered it. I talked to a man one time. I'm hurrying, I promise. Talked to a man one time. Here's what he said. He told me, he said, Preacher, you know, you know you can lose your salvation. And I said, no, I, I don't. And he said, well, listen. He said, God did not die. Jesus did not die for future sins. And I, I'm not being ugly, but I know I looked at him like he had three heads. And I said, you will have to run that by me one more time. And he said, he just died for the sins, that the present sins and past sins. And I said, that's just one problem with that. And he said, what's that? And I said, when did you get saved? And he said, well, 2002. And I said, he didn't die in 2002. They're right. He didn't die in 2002. He said, well, he just died for my present... That's stupid. I, I mean, I, I hate to, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be, that's just crazy. He died for the sins of the whole world. He died for John. I don't know exactly what year you got saved, but I'm pretty sure it's before I was even born. Uh, and he died for your sins. Uh, hey, when I was a seven-year-old boy, he died for my sins. Uh, hey, when my boys get to whatever age he deals with them, uh, he's died for their sins. Uh, hey, bless God when my great, 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 great grand youngins, uh, if the Lord tarries his coming, uh, uh, when the Lord deals with them, uh, uh, they'll not have to go check, they'll not have to wonder. Uh, he died for their sin. Uh, 
I've got good news. He died for Adam and Eve, sin. Amen. He died for Moses, sin. He died for Abraham, sin. He died for Rahab, sin. He died for Joshua, sin. He died for David, sin. He died for Mark, sin. And Matthew, sin. And Luke, sin. And Paul, sin. And my sin and your sin. He died for the sins of the world. Thank God. Every last woman, boy and girl. He died for their sins. And to do that, all those sins had to be placed upon him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Is that right? The judgment of God was poured out on him. And if it had been one single solitary sin, his blood was not sufficient for her. He could not have raised from the dead because the wages of sin is death. That right? That's the sins I committed before I got saved. That's the sins I committed after I got saved. That's that right. He died for them all. That right? Now listen to me. You say, preacher, what are you saying? If he hadn't died for them all, if his blood wasn't good enough for them all, he could not have resurrected from the grave. But he did. Yeah. That right? He's alive and well. You know what that means tonight? It was enough. It was sufficient. His blood was enough. His sacrifice was enough. It was enough for Abraham's sin. It's enough for Adam's sin. It's enough for Eve's sin. It's enough for Rahab's sin. It's enough, thank God, uh, for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul, Barnabas, Silas, uh, me, you. Uh, it was enough for the world. Uh, uh, no wonder the Bible said, for God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life because every sin man ever has is now or ever will commit was paid for and atoned for at Calvary. That right? That's exactly right. Yeah, man, you sit there like an analog if you want to. I'm about to come slap unglued. Uh, yeah, man, that means that drug addict down the road. Uh, it's not them drugs that are sending them to hell. Uh, it's already been paid for. Uh, it's not the bottle sending them to hell. Uh, it's not the adultery. It's not the fornication. Uh, it's none of that sending them to hell. Uh, uh, the only thing standing between them uh, and heaven is accepting uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, that homosexual up the road uh, has already been paid for and if they'd accept the Lord tonight heaven would be their home guess what I'm not giving us a license to sin but when I mess up tomorrow it's already been paid for is that right because he died for every sin the resurrection is proof of that the resurrection is proof that every single solitary sin was paid for when Jesus cried at Calvary, it is finished. He meant he'd paid for every sin. Isn't that right? That wasn't the end of the story. Is that right? He's still resurrected. He's still, he's still, he's still coming back. Uh, there's a lot yet to transpire. Uh, there's a whole eternity. Bless God, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but when he said it is finished, what he meant was sin had been paid for. I've said he cried out, it is finished, and gave up the ghost. Watch this. 
He paid the debt for the sins of the entire world. There was no sin omitted. There was no sin forgotten. Not one sin was misplaced. He paid it all and rose victorious over death and hell. Now notice this. Now notice this. All that tonight is pictured in those pens. All that. But that's not all that happened. Them pens were not enough. The fact that he died... The fact that he, the fact that he resurrected, the fact that he took our sin judgment, the fact that all that—that's all pictured in them pens. But if it just been pens, that roof would still blown off. Is that right? If it hadn't been for them ropes, heck, that roof would have still blew off. There's got to be something that ties it all together. There's got to be something that binds it all together. God hit me. There's got to be something that's t- that ties to that resurrection. There's got to be something that ties to the death. There's got to be something that ties to the fact that he died for my sin. Resurrected victorious. There's got to be something that ties to that and holds everything together. That's got to be them robes. Say, preacher, what's them robes a picture of? I'm cutting so much out, it ain't even funny, but I, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to get to these robes. Notice this. Now we've looked at great detail to pens. Those ropes are what held everything together. Let me give you a verse of scripture. And I'm almost, almost done. Turn with me real quick to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 11. Hosea chapter number 11. Hosea chapter number 11. I'll give you a minute to get there. I want you to see this. Hosea chapter number 11. Hosea chapter number 11. Hosea chapter number 11, verse number 4. Hosea chapter number 11, and verse number 4. I want to talk about them robes. Now watch this. The Bible said, I drew them with cords of a man. Watch them robes. The Bible called them cords. The Lord said, I drew them with cords of a man with bands of love. What about that? I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. Say, so preacher, what's them cords? That's the love of God that held it all together. Y'all ain't getting that like I want you to. It's the love of God that holds everything together. Listen, that's what we fail to realize. That's why there's so much argument about this thing of eternal security. I, in my flesh, now listen to me, listen to me well. In my flesh, I'll agree with anybody that says, how could a God let his son die for somebody like me? And when I fall short, when I fail, still be saved, still be safe in Christ, uh, still be secure. How could that happen? How could he let somebody, I'll be honest with you. I can, Corey, I cannot imagine loving you enough. I, I thank the world have you. I do. I don't take it the wrong way, but I cannot imagine loving you enough. I to let one of my youngins die so that you can live. I, but if I could, I, you better be perfect the rest of your life. I, because one what a sacrifice to let my youngins die. Right. Yeah, right. that right? Yes, sir. But see, the difference is his ways are not our ways. Right. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If it wasn't for them cords, which the roof could be torn off. Right. Not for them cords, everything could fall apart. 
Offer them cords. That priest might find himself one day standing in the wind and in the rain and taking the judgment of the wilderness. Uh, if not for them cords, you and I might find ourselves uh, at some time uh, out of from out from inside of Christ, uh, facing the judgment and wrath of God. But it's those cords that hold everything together. Listen to me. I've preached this before, and I've, I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me this week. I, I love over there, 2 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 9. If I'm wrong, you just bear with me. But when David said, is there yet any, is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And I've preached for years, John, he took as a type and preached it like this, that God loved us because of what Christ did. But that's not right. That's not right. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't love us for Christ. He loved us through Christ. Is that right? The Bible said, but God, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll read it to you here in a minute. The Bible said, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loved us. Y'all ain't getting that. He doesn't love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loved us. Oh, God help me. That band, he said, I, I draw on the cords of a man with bands of love. It's that love of God that holds everything together. It's that love of God. That's the reason tonight I don't understand. I'll be honest with you. I understand the confusion. I understand why it's hard to imagine. How the love of God is unexplainable. It is unimaginable. That He'd love us even while we're sinners. Watch what the Bible said. Let me read it to you quickly. The Bible said Romans chapter 5 verse 6. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man and will one die. You know what Paul said? It's a scarce thing. It's a rare thing for a righteous man. Uh, somebody would die for him. Uh, watch this. He said, Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. He said, For a good man, somebody that's good, uh, somebody that's done you well, somebody that's loved you, somebody that's cared for you, uh, uh, some might would be willing to die. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, uh, but I love my wife. You I'd die for her. I love them boys. I'd die for them. I love this church. I'd die for it. I would tonight. But listen to me. Listen to me well. It'd be hard tonight for me to die to somebody for somebody that hated my guts. It'd be hard for me to die for somebody that spit in my face. And that's what Paul's saying. For a good man, some might die. Might die. It's a possibility they might would. But watch what he said, verse 8. But God commit his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What Paul said, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You say, preacher, how can you believe in eternal security that you could sin and still be saved? Well, I'll tell you this. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not giving us a free license to sin. But I'm telling you this tonight. When he loved me, I was a sinner. Right. When he, he loved me 
at my very worst. Kirk, it's not that hard of a stretch for me to believe that when he sees me mess up now, he still loves me. That's right. He didn't love me at my best. He loved me at my worst. A whole lot of times we was talking about it the other day. Me and Kendra was dating. You know how it is when you start dating. You put on the best show you can. I mean, you want, I want her to think I was the biggest catch in all of Surrey County, and she did too. That right? Yeah. As we knew each other longer, you know what we found out? We found out we had more and more and more flaws. That right? I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't see all her flaws on that first date. She hid all that. And I'm not being critical. I hid all mine too. I hid mine for as long as I could. I mean, I, I did everything. I, I pick on Mikey all the time. He'd been bringing that girl with me every Sunday. I tell him, I say, she'll wise up one of these days. Uh, oh, I know t- his Mikey just do like I did and hide it for as long as he can. Uh, that's all you can do. I mean, that's it. Uh, but listen, that's not how it was with the Lord. I didn't hide anything. He saw me at my very worst, yet he loved me. It's not that hard of a stretch for me to believe. He still just loves me. They're right. Said I draw them cords of a man with bands of love. These pins and ropes we find the security of the believer. But honestly tonight, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be corny. I'm not trying to be make a cliche. It honestly tonight can be said no better than this: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I show you something? He commenced his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we were sinners. All right? For God so loved the world. He loved us when we were sinners. That he gave his only begotten son. That's when he paid our sin debt. That right? He paid our sin debt as sinners. Now watch this. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not. I just, I'm just trying to tell you, also know how. I mean, it's wonderful to look at the typology of it. That's great. And I'm glad when you shout it out and have a good time with stuff like that, I'm thankful for it. But it's not that complicated. That whosoever, that means anybody, believeth in him, now listen to this, should not perish. You know what that means? They won't die. Is that right? They won't. That perish, it's talking about going to hell. It's not talking about the physical death. It's talking about the second death. Shall not perish. Now you say, oh, preacher, well, that, it could mean this and it could mean that. Don't make it too complicated. But have eternal life or everlasting life. You know what that means? Everlasting just means everlasting. All right. Y'all look like I'm making you mad. I'm not trying to. Just telling you that everlasting means everlasting. It doesn't mean till something goes wrong. It doesn't mean till there's a bump in the road. It doesn't mean till God gives. It means everlasting just means everlasting. Duracell says they've got a long lasting battery. You know what that means? It'll last longer than most, but eventually it's going to go dead. That's not what the, he didn't say a long lasting life. 
He said, an everlasting life. That means it'll last forever. It'll never end. Uh, we're safe and secure within Christ. Uh, and you say, preacher, how can that be? Uh, uh, because we're anchored tonight by the gospel, uh, by the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, and it's all held together. Uh, that paid the sin debt. That was sufficient. Uh, uh, that covered our sins. Uh, and it's all held together uh, uh, by the bands, by the cords uh, uh, of the love of God tonight. We're held in Christ by the love of God. Now, let me say this and I'm done. I promise. It ain't but 809. I'll be done at 801, 811, all right? Listen, that silver foundation, that's the blood of Christ. Them five gold bars, that's the grace of God. And then bands going over the top, that's the love of God. So, preacher, what keeps us in? The blood of Christ, the grace of God, and the love of God. Is that right? Can I show you something? You know what's touching them cords? There's two things them cords are touching. It's touching the gospel on them pins. It's tied to them pins. But then it's touching the only covering that had been tied down. And it was tied so tight it held the rest of them. was that badger skin. That's the humanity of Christ. God manifest his love in Christ taking on a robe of flesh. Is that right? God... Bible said his name should be called Emmanuel. God with us. God manifests his love in the humanity of Jesus Christ. And them ropes hold us in Christ tied to the gospel. What about that? I hope y'all got that. I, I know we went fast tonight. I know we did. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to say tonight you can't understand it. I'm saying I don't think I explained it good enough. But I hope and pray you got a glimpse of that. That it's the love of God and the gospel that hold us in Christ. My, my, what a truth. Let's stand to our feet.